0: Now, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the field of international development and specifically the area of global health within international development. And to help us understand this space, our guest today is Uzo Osikena, And Uzo, until very recently, has been working as a senior program manager with Clinton Health Access Initiative. She's been working with this organization for more than two years now. And Clinton Health Access Initiative is part of the bigger Clinton Foundation that was started by former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, some time back. And their goal is to, I'm quoting from Wikipedia, but the goal is to strengthen the capacity of people in the United States and throughout the world to meet the challenges of global interdependence. Uh, recently, Uzo left Clinton Health Access Initiative to join another organization called Aspen Management Partnership for Health. This is another organization focused on global health, but it's a part of Aspen Institute, which is an international global think tank founded by Walter Isaacson. And I'm sure many of you have heard of Walter Isaacson. He's the one who's written biographies of some very, very well-known people, such as Albert Einstein and Steve Jobs and uh, Benjamin Franklin and many others. Uh, In terms of Uzo's background, she has an MBA from the Wharton School with a focus on finance and management. And I think today's discussion is very, very good for anyone who's interested in international development. Uzo shares a lot of great details about what this field is like, the kind of things that you should be thinking about. So I hope you will enjoy it. Uh, One thing that I do want to point out is that the audio isn't great in this episode. There is definitely some background disturbance. And uh, Uzo was joining us from Nigeria for this episode, and her internet connection wasn't very good. So Uh, I hope that you will forgive the quality of the audio because the wealth of information that she shares is truly amazing. Uh, So I hope that you will not mind the audio too much because the content is really helpful for anyone interested in international development. Another thing that I want to point out is that Uzo and her team are always open to people who are interested in helping out doing uh, short-term projects or gigs which might expose you to the field of international development. So if at all you're interested, do drop us an email at hello at learn, educatediscover.com And we will let you know what information we need so that we can pass along your application to Uzo. So do not hesitate. If at all you're interested in learning about what it's like to work in this field, it's a great idea to take on a short-term project and really experience it firsthand. And if you want to do that, drop us an email at hello at learneducatediscover.com and of course I should remind you that you should sign up for our newsletter on our website learneducatediscover.com that's where we share all of our new episodes new resources links so go ahead check out the website learneducatediscover.com and sign up for our newsletter all right with that let's now welcome Uzo Uzo thanks Anali
1: Hey, welcome to the
0: show. How are you? I'm fine. I'm great. So excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course, I'm so happy to have you on. And it seems that right now we're speaking to you uh, from Nigeria. You're in Nigeria right now, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Lagos, Nigeria at the moment. So a couple of hours ahead of you in San
0: Francisco. <laughs> yeah, quite a few hours ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, so is, is Nigeria the country that you that you look into as part of your job?
1: No. So, funny enough, um, I'm just based in Nigeria for this work. However, I cover three countries across the African continent at the moment, but based in Nigeria because it's it's convenient in terms of travel and time zones in navigating the continent.
0: Interesting. So, which countries do you cover?
1: I cover Sierra Leone, Kenya, and Malawi.
0: Wow. All right. And... Uh, you are from Africa in the sense you're familiar with at least the culture better than someone who is not from Africa.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm a dual citizen. So Nigerian and American, my parents are both Nigerian and I spent some, some time in Nigeria as, as a child. Right. Um, however, I've spent majority of my life in the U.S. and uh, made the decision to come back recently hmm. about almost three years ago now, uh, really to work and try and make an impact and, and, and contribute to to the success of, of the continent and trying to make it a better place.
0: No, I mean, I, I think the work here sounds very interesting and I'm so curious to hear exactly what you're working on and what working in the space is like. But let's, let's start a little bit with just your journey. Uh, like you touched on this, that you uh, have gotten into this field relatively recently. So tell us... What were you doing before you started working in international mm-hmm. development and what led you to then get into this field? Sure.
1: Um, prior to this, I was in the private sector, uh, most recently doing consulting at, at Accenture, primarily in our life sciences practice, and that's because... Uh, Prior to uh, going to business school, I spent majority of my career in sales and marketing in the pharmaceutical industry. And so joint consulting after business school, pretty cliche like everyone else, but mm-hmm. uh, it made sense for me at that time. But what was great about Accenture was we had a practice within it called Accenture Development Partnerships, ADP, that was focused on primarily international development work. And uh, being that uh, I, I am... Nigerian-American, I had a desire to do work across the African continent, and a lot of that work was through international development. And so I had the opportunity to do work on ADP in South Africa as well as Nigeria. And that was kind of how I just got to know about the industry a bit more and and fell in love with the work. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really, really fulfilling for me to know that in my day-to-day job, I can do uh, work that's intellectually stimulating and exciting while meeting great people from all different walks of life, hopefully making making a, an impact on the continent in some way.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure you're probably one of the people who is having more of an impact on the world today compared to our class at business school. Uh, so <laughs> h- how would you describe... So, I mean, this is interesting. You, you sort of got exposure to working in this space while you were at Accenture. And I guess something over there convinced you to then... Move into it full time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you know that that's a, a good point. You know, the cool thing about ADP is you can do a project in international development and then move back into private sector. But when I moved back to the private sector, I kind of found that uh, I kind of found that I wasn't as excited about my work anymore. You know, and uh, I'm definitely not against private sector by any stretch of the imagination. There's a role for for all different players in, in the ecosystem. But for me personally, I just really was moved by the work, the ability to feel like my work ha- meant more than just um, increase in profits and, in, and the shift in the bottom line made a huge difference. And then also the ability to do work that was focused in Africa. You know, uh, I definitely have, uh, I, um, I guess, ties and feel a connection to the African continent. And so the ability to to see more of the continent, learn more about the continent, learn more about what's not working, why it's not working, how we solve for the problems is is something that definitely
0: fuels me and keeps me going uh, every day. Hmm. So how would you describe the field of international development?
1: Wow, yeah, that's a, a great question. Uh, it's a large field. It's, it's very big. You know, within international development, you have, you know, several disciplines. Mm. Let's call it call it that. You have public health, which is what I'm in. You have finance, education, agriculture, policy, and and advocacy, uh, leadership, and governance. And uh, so there are so many ways uh, one can chart their career within international development. I mean, let's take finance for instance. You know, you could work at an organization such as the IFC. Or World Bank, and you know, make a, a huge difference in where those organizations are investing their monies and spending their monies across across the continent. Agriculture is also a big one, um, where there's a lot of uh, intersection of private and public sector in that space. How do you how do you build um, markets and pipelines for smallholder farmers to increase their their revenues so that hopefully their families can live off higher incomes? Mm-hmm. Um, public policy and governance, how do you how do you get governments across the world to become stronger and better leaders and drive accountability towards their people? So there, there's there's a there's it's such a wide space, international development. And, you know, when that term is used, often you have to ask a couple of questions to understand what that person, what the person means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are so many opportunities within it, within the space, uh, whether it's working for a private Private foundations such as Gates or Rockefeller, or working for a governmental organization such as USAID or um, DFID, which is uh, Development Aid for the UK, or you can work for uh, an NGO such as the Clinton Health Access Initiative (CHAI), or you can you can work even at the state government level within the U.S. Um, working for mayor's office in New York or San Francisco there's so much work to be done uh, within the space and so much opportunity and they actually a lot of organizations are very open and and very excited to get in folks with a non-conventional background that perhaps you know went to business school mm. and have worked in the private sector to kind of bring in some of those efficiencies mm. and that way of thinking into the sector
0: yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, that sounds like a lot. Like you said, this is its a huge, complex field. Uh, so uh, like you said, there are all of these different disciplines, and each of them is focused on one specific area, such as health or agriculture or finance. Uh, but in terms of the overall goal, the overarching goal of international development, is, is it that you are working with various organizations to further the development of certain countries? Like, why is it called international development? I know it's a silly question, I guess. I don't know.
1: I think that's, you know, that's a great question, perhaps a good way to frame it. It's, it's the development of the people to ensure that they are al- alive and living, first and foremost, mm. and that they have rich and high-quality lives. So if we want to think, think about the different disciplines I just mentioned, you know, in global health, we're t- typically focused on saving lives. And so that's affecting things like mortality rates for mothers and children under five, right? Let's just get mm. these people alive. And then you have things like education, which is more focused on increasing the quality of their lives, right? There's, there's so much data and studies showing the impact of educating a mother and how that yields returns for families and their societies. Mm. Uh, agriculture is the same thing. In, in a twofold way, I'd say one, for substance, for people to just eat and be alive, to have nourished, not just that they're eating, but they're eating high quality foods, right? Yeah. Because that's a, a huge problem as well, where you have children who are malnourished, the development of their brain and ability to contribute positively to society. And then agriculture is also a, an income opportunity for farmers as well. And then finance is an, is an, an enabler of it all. And then I didn't touch on the environment, but that's an also key enabler as well, keeping the environment clean right. and safe. And leadership and governance is also an enabler. So you know, it, it, I think depending on on where someone has a a, a yearning or a calling to work in, there there's so many ways. But yes, I like the point that you raised, Sonali, in that they are intertwined because to develop these people, like you said, we are trying to develop them so that or develop these countries mm. so that their citizens don't have high mortality rates or don't have high, have, don't have low life expectancies and that their lives while they're here on earth are, are of high quality lives, fulfilling lives
0: um, right.
1: where they have access to the things that uh, the basic human being wants access to. Mm. So that's ultimately um, what it's focused on. And uh, so that's why we, the, when you hear international development, it tends to be focused uh, on poorer countries, which are predominantly in Africa and, and parts of Asia as well. And, you know, some in, in Europe as well. Uh, but I think if you kind of look yeah. at percentage by continent, it's skewed it's towards Africa overwhelmingly.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, well, how you I would describe it in a yeah. nutshell.
0: That, that that's super helpful and then in terms of the roles again this is a huge field so let's say like in your case you are working in global health uh, and let's say mm-hmm. I I'm also interested in global health but I do not really have any prior experience in in international development as such how would you suggest mm-hmm. I think about the kind of roles that I can uh, pursue yeah sure um
1: well, there are a couple of ways you can you can slice that. On one hand, a person can ask themselves what kind of organization do they want to work in. So, do do they want to work for a, a donor, or do they want to work for an organization that is more in in the doing position, which would be a grantee? And within donor, you have governmental donors and non-governmental donors. So non-governmental would be foundations like a Gates Foundation or Rockefeller Foundation that I mentioned earlier. And governmental would be uh, the equivalent of a USAID or even IFC. Uh, And so, you know, questions as to where you would want to go within that is probably has to do with bureaucracy and the ability to for the organization to be nimble and what drives the organization focus. Obviously, when it's governmental, politics come into play as to what the organization will be focused on versus foundations. They kind of can decide pretty much on their own what they want to focus on. So that's one approach. Mm-hmm. And then for grantees, which are NGOs and others, such as the Clinton Health Access Initiative, you'll be more in a, in a doing role. Right. Because um, as, a, as a donor, you're, you're providing the funds to an organization to do the work. Right. So it's generally more of oversight. and You're not going to be as close to to the uh, beneficiary of the program. Whereas if you're if you want to to, you know, be in rural villages and, and, and be closer to spending time with governments and closer to spending time with with ministries of health or finance then being in a grantee position is, is kind of more, more appropriate. appropriate. So that's one way to, to look mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. Another way is also just functionally. Um, what kind of work do you prefer? Do you prefer strategy? Do you prefer more of operations? Uh, do you prefer um, working in teams? Do you prefer work, working individually or, or a mix? And that kind of comes into play, uh, you know, oftentimes within the same organization, you might have different types of this, of these roles. Take, take for instance, the Gates Foundation. I keep going back to Gates because I, I feel like they're a household name that folks are more <laughs> familiar with. But, yeah. you know, they have strategy roles and then they have roles that are more operations focused. So, so they have a role like a strategy officer or a program officer. So in a program officer role, you might be overseeing a, a large portfolio of programs where the Gates Foundation is donating money to maybe 10 different NGOs to do work, and you're overseeing that role. Um, so it's it's more oversight, but then you're closer to the substance of the program, whether it's focused on maternal health or child health or whatever. Hmm. Um, and then they have strategy roles, which is more looking, look, taking a step back even more similar to consulting and saying, what should the Gates organization be focusing on within global health? What areas are yielding the best returns on investment and, and, and things like that?
0: Interesting. Um, and, and, and the same
1: holds true for, for grantee organizations as well. If you're going to be on a, on a in a role where you're focused on just one country, which is what I did when I was on child, it's generally more operational in nature, so it's more similar to, I think, the day-to-day of running a business. Um, and the versus in a role now that I'm in, where it's more oversight, so it's it's lean, leans towards uh, more strategy kind of work. Got it. And then yeah. organizations like IFC, a lot of you know former investment bankers and the like, really enjoy those those kinds of organizations, very focused on on building models and making making the investment case to be invested in one country or or not. Um so actually a lot of natural synergies with popular post MBA roles.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. This is so good, Uzo. I wish that I had received this kind of a very well structured overview of what you can do in international (laughs) development because because you know it's so vast and so complex that if you just Google, you, you don't really, I mean, you'll find a whole bunch of things, but it's hard to form a mental picture of, okay, what is this? And, you know, what are the things that I can do, especially for someone who's not familiar with this space? It's hard yeah. to sort of wrap your mind around it. So this, this is really good. So I would want to go into the details of one project just to understand what, life can be like but as you're saying there are so many different things that you could be doing so uh, you know mm-hmm. up to you you could take a project that you worked on in your past experience or you could take a you know just like a sample project up to you but let's let's give an overview of what the project was and then the kind of things that you did sure
1: so i'll take a, a program one of the programs i ran while i was at the clinton health access initiative okay and the goal of the program was to increase access to family planning, specifically long acting solutions with with the intent being that when women are, are placed on family planning more, they space out their pregnancies, which lowers the risk of maternal related deaths. And so we were looking to reduce the burden of that in a specific geography in Nigeria, northern Nigeria, which is where a lot of the high mortality rates come from. And in that role, um, in that role, in my role for that program, something I quite enjoyed was um, I was able to work with my team to create the strategy for our program, uh, operationalize that strategy and then actually execute and implement um, so, you know, coming from consulting, which, you know, we often just set the strategy, <laughs> yeah. it was really great to be a part of, of that full process. Yeah. And so working, working with a, a team, I had a fairly large team of, of 15 direct reports. Uh, working with my team as well as members of, of um, sister teams, we devised the strategy, set the targets of how we will help increase access to family planning over the course of three years. And this was a family planning method that was not popular, that women in this demographic just did not have exposure to. And um, quite frankly, due to religion and cultural cultural reasons there's not an openness towards family planning. Hmm. So there was a lot that we needed to think about. We needed to think about how we train healthcare workers to provide this type of family planning because since since it's not popular they haven't been doing it. So even if they learned at some point they've forgotten how to do it. We had to sensitize women and men because in in northern Nigeria which is is it has a high Muslim population, oftentimes these types of decisions, women can't make them by themselves. So we had to sensitize women, men, traditional leaders, community leaders. Um, and then we also needed to involve the, the Ministry of Health. So, so the government in Nigeria to um, get buy-in from them and support to enable our, our, our program to take place. And then of course, um, most programs you need, you need to create a system for measuring and tracking your results. So you can um, say what you were able to do at the, at the end of the day. So as you can imagine, we're setting up this huge robust strategy with different moving parts, so, which, was, which was really exciting and really fun. And then operationalizing it. So creating all the tools, the templates, the processes to bring that, that strategy to life, hmm. um, and actually have it take place on a day-to-day basis. And then we began implementing. Uh, and when we first started implementing, it wasn't working. Uh, we made several <laughs> yeah. assumptions uh, that perhaps were not uh, as spot on and uh, we did not see uptake in the family planning method that we were trying to increase access to. Women weren't taking it up. Uh, healthcare workers weren't administering it. And uh, so we needed to dive in, dive down and really get into the core of, of, of uh, been emotion and what drives people, which I kinda of felt was very similar to marketing, you know. Yeah. What drives someone to pick up a product on the shelf? And this time it's through a healthcare provider, which is very similar to pharmaceutical sales and marketing, which I did prior to business school. Um and there is the the bias of the healthcare provider. You know, being a woman and who has access family planning in the U.S., you tend to lean to whatever your doctor recommends you for the most part. It's generally an area that we don't know as much about. And how we pick up information is through friends, anecdotally, and maybe going online and doing some research. So this population of women, they probably rely more on friends and the healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. So there was the healthcare provider bias we had to address first and foremost, where they predisposed to another method because they were just more familiar with it so we had to increase the amount of um, of training and mentoring is the term that's used in, right. in global health mm. for the healthcare provider but when i thought about it it's very similar to in pharmaceutical sales when you go in as a sales rep you you are having them detail the physician to get the physician to think about the drug every time they see a patient it's something very similar mm. uh, so we needed to, to take care of the of the healthcare provider and then do it for the women which you know, going back to the pharma sales example in the U.S., that's TV commercials, right? So, so that way, uh, a patient can even mention a drug name to a doctor. And so, we needed to do it in a way that was within the context of that society, which was through social groups, through groups in um, in their uh, houses of worship, whether mosque or church, through posters and bill billboards, and just increase. Uh, women's exposure to it and also in small groups and in creating a forum for them to have discussions and conversations about these things to break down biases and preconceived notions about family planning uh, and really changing human behavior Mm. and uh, so we it was had to be very high touch and you know happen quite frequently and we were very successful in doing that and saw the numbers increase and and uh and saw so adoption of that family planning method increased significantly and uh, the donor was quite happy with the results and decided to expand the program from two countries to nine countries across africa wow. yeah. and from three states in nigeria to five states yeah in nigeria yeah uh, so so i really enjoyed it because uh from a functional standpoint you know being able to set that strategy, operationalize it and then execute it, you know, gave me a, a true appreciation of of um, you know, just what it takes to actually run things and, and make things happen. And then I also found it um, kind of nice and refreshing to be able to to rely on previous experience from a previous role to kind of help guide thinking on, on how we move things forward. Yeah. As 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 we as we got For results initially so yeah that's a very specific um example for international development but i think for for global health that's um it's it's quite relevant
0: yeah yeah this is so good uzo and uh, honestly i'm listening to this and i'm thinking wow maybe i should move to international development because uh (laughs) what you're describing is i'm sure that this must have been a very very you know changing human behavior is probably one of the toughest things that you might have to do so i'm sure this is super hard uh, just given the whole number of variables you had to manage but given that you were able to do it and, and the project was successful i'm sure it must have been a very very gratifying experience because i mean you're really changing lives uh, radically so this is awesome i i have a couple of more questions about just the project itself so I was curious and you and you sort of touched upon this at how would you actually change people's behavior so Mm -hmm. you so I I guess if I if I'm and I'm trying to picture you literally So are you and your team (laughs) are you literally on the ground and you're going to people's houses and talking to them or you're organizing sort of these in-person discussions How, how is it happening
1: yeah um That's a great question. Um, I think in trying to change people's behavior, you're trying to come into a place that perhaps you're not as familiar with, um, it's important to realize, it was important for me to realize uh, what my greatest strengths and assets were. And it wasn't necessarily standing in front of the woman individually talking to her about family planning because she wants to hear that from someone who she can identify with. Mm. And unfortunately, that person is not me. Um, so, you know, within northern Nigeria, which is primarily Muslim, and you know, women are dressed a certain way. So I don't fit that bill, right? I don't speak the local language there. Um, I don't, don't understand their day-to-day. And so you need to identify champions within the community, folks who understand what we're what we're trying to do, who understand the benefit of family planning, who are passionate about it, who maybe, unfortunately, they've witnessed or witnessed death in their family or someone close to them as a result of, of of um of a woman having births too close together and they can then be that voice of change right and and there are different layers of that uh, so within the health facility you have to find a a, a champion right mm-hmm. the woman who's going mm-hmm. to talk to the other nurses and midwives who are typically the ones who administer this family planning and get them to understand the benefit of this method, right? So, for instance, uh, family planning pills are great, but it's more prone to human error. Mm. So a more long-lasting solution like an implant where a woman can set it and forget it mm. is, is is perhaps more powerful. Right. But there are so many preconceived notions about this, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it also it has to do with the education level that we're, right. we're, we're dealing with. Uh, in this demographic. So finding a champion at the health facility within the community, at different points within the community, right? So there are generally already existing structures there in place. So there's no need to go and create them. They generally will have women's groups. They have um, uh, community groups for men, community groups for women. They will have a a group within a church or a group within a mosque. And so it's just identifying those structures and identifying champions, Within them, who can be voices for the program, who buy into it, and who understand it. Uh, and you know, we're dealing with all kinds of of myths about it. Uh, you know, people think if if they use family planning, it can prevent their ability to have children in the future, hmm. or it can, if or they want to have lots of children because that secures their standing within their family mm-hmm. um, and or they live in polygamous families where the more children they have, the stronger wife that they are within the family. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, it's really trying to understand what's driving their behavior and not coming and saying your behavior is wrong or your behavior is bad, but understanding what's driving it. Um, we're all human beings and we all do things for different reasons. Um, and for, to us, when we're making those decisions, it's rational and it makes sense. But sometimes it's harming us in in the long run. yeah. Um, And so trying to get the women to see that and to understand that and to use things in their context. Um, Turns out there's there's religious text in the Quran that advocated for women to wait 22 to 24 months before they have a baby. Um, So pulling that from their holy book, which they believe in, and saying, hey, look, this is actually what it says, not whatever someone else Mm. might be telling you Mm -hmm. carries a lot of weight Mm than, you know, showing them a pamphlet that some global health organization (laughs) created that they, they don't know anything about, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: that's, so yeah, those, those are
1: some of the ways we did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a very tough job. Um, (laughs) yeah. So I just have a few more, um, just just one more question to understand just you know working in this space and then we'll go into some of the more other qualitative aspects i guess uh but Mm -hmm. you have now worked with two organizations in this space right i mean accenture was still more you you were still a consultant at that point but Mm -hmm. you worked with the health access initiative and now you're working with the aspen institute at a very Mm -hmm. high level can you describe Like you said, there are so many different organizations that you can choose from. Let's let's leave Mm -hmm. the donor part aside, right? Like the IFC or something like that. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. You're basically figuring out where the money should go. But in terms Mm -hmm. of these other organizations, which are more doing, is there a a framework you can suggest in terms of how to think about working in one kind of a doing organization versus another? Yeah,
1: Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think. That's when it, become, it it ties into personal interests and, and sometimes your, even your personal values, uh, you know, doing this kind of work that's, I guess, more value-based. You're seeking to be in sync with what you believe in. And so, for instance, some, some organizations are focused just on a specific area, like they may be focused on just maternal health or on HIV or on immunization. So if that's an area that someone is really passionate about, that they feel, feel is, is the area that can really move global health forward, then obviously they would migrate towards, towards an area like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also depends on, on how you feel organizations should, should be acting. For instance, uh, in, at the Clinton Health Access Initiative, HHI, we did a lot of work. We were running these large, robust programs, like I, like I just described, but then we also did some work where we are kind of working with the government to equip the government to be able to do these types of programs that we're doing, right? Because if you kind of think about the, the goal of any NGO anywhere in the world, it's filling a gap that feel perhaps government is not filling. So whether it's governments, government has not yet been able to improve maternal or reduce maternal deaths or reduced child deaths. And so an NGO starts doing that kind of work right. and almost um, co- like gap filling for the government. Right? right. So that's kind of what we did. We did at Chai. We, we did some of that, but then we also tried to enable the government to do it themselves. So give them the tools, um, you know, sit with them side by side and coach them along and and, and get them to under understand how perhaps to to structure this program and track it and hold themselves accountable. Um, and as I was doing my work at CHAI, I felt that I was drawn more to our type of work, was focused on on enabling the capacity of the government. And simply because I think it's a more sustainable solution to some of the problems that we have in, in global health. You know, programs are often funded for a limited period of time by a donor. And donors' focus is change, uh, especially those that are Government affiliated, as 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 uh, you have changes in administration and the like, and so getting the government to be able to do these things for themselves, for their people, uh, is is where my passion really grew, and so that's what drew drew me to uh, my role now at the Aspen Institute, where I work specifically on a program called Aspen Management Partnerships for Health. Um, so that's Aspen Management's Partnerships for Health AMP Health, because it's such a mouthful. Um, <laughs> and what we do is we we work to build the leadership and management capability uh, within the Ministry of Health. And so we look to help strengthen their skills in, in things like strategic planning, use of data for decision making, communications, meeting management, effective delegation. And just sometimes even hard skills, like using Excel better, building stronger PowerPoints, writing more effective reports, building stronger budgets. Um, and, and, you know, we do it in, in three main ways. One is through the primary waste is through a management partner who is typically a mid-level professional who, who becomes a part of a team within the Ministry of Health and sits with them side by side every day uh, for two years. Uh, to help build this capacity, we also have a, a leadership and management training with a partner uh, here in Africa called African Management Initiative. And at the completion of it, they receive a certificate from one of the top three business schools on the continent. And it's it's a combination of online and offline coursework where they can access classes online, such as problem solving, communications. And then they also have two sessions uh, in a year, in person, for about a week at a time, where they get to really dive deep into uh, different areas and, and focus points within leadership and management. Um, so, so that's kind of what we work on do on what I work on doing now, and I oversee our work uh, across Africa. Uh, so I, I act as the head of Africa for our anglophone countries, and um, I really enjoy this work because. It's very satisfying and gratifying to see the shifts in the Ministry of Health officials when you can finally get them thinking in a more, more results-oriented way of thinking. Um, so, to so kind of put put a bit of color behind that, oftentimes. Folks who are running these programs, they're in director roles, deputy director roles, manager roles. They're often clinical professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you ask them what they you know what they studied in school, they generally are, You have a lot of doctors, pharmacists, nurses, and uh, now they're being told to do a role that. It's actually kind of more business-oriented, right? Yeah. Creating a program, setting targets, tracking those targets, um, making sure it's working, managing people, supervising people, and they're thrown in these roles often with with not not as much training as is needed, uh, and they generally are overwhelmed, overworked, and and quite quite frankly, don't really have the tools that they need to do the work. And so we seek to help. Build that capacity. It does exist uh, to a certain extent within the, these ministries, but we look to really strengthen it and really help them be the ones in the driving seat of their programs. Uh, because as working in the Ministry of Health in these countries, oftentimes they they will work on what what they can get donors to fund. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily on an, on an initiative that they feel is best for the country. But if they can step back and assess the country and say, this is what is needed uh, to help child deaths or or, or mothers dying or women dying from childbirth and come up with a plan and a solution and a donor comes they can then see how where the donors funds can fit into a program or a plan that they already have set in place yeah but now it's, it's just very ad hoc and they get money and then they focus on this one thing and focus on another thing and it's not very strategic it's not very cohesive and so we're working to try and change that which um, it sounds simple but given the environment that we that we work in, it's a bit, bit of a shift from the way of way of working and the way things are done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I do now. And I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I guess going back to your question as to how does someone approach what they want to do? I think it all depends. I think that's a you know, that's a, a philosophy or a values oriented decision that I made as to my take on how best to solve for this problem. And so I think that's a, a it can be a pretty personal choice yeah. when when it comes to what part of of the ecosystem you want to work in.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let me then switch gears a little bit and ask you that. Clearly, this is a very high impact job. It's a tough job, but high impact job if you're able to pull it off. But are mm. there any areas? or any things about working in this space that you just do not like?
1: Mm. It's a good question. Well, I guess a couple things folks should be aware of if you make the decision (laughs) to work in international development. uh, You know, there there are financial trade-offs for that, right? So it's not the same as working in private equity or even as a banker. So that's something that someone needs to be okay with
0: can you uh just um, a, a quick follow-up over there um can you share mm-hmm. some um you know roughly how much difference are we talking about like you know percentage wise or order of magnitude wise yeah
1: well it, it, it really depends on you know what you're looking at as a benchmark
0: uh, post business school but uh
1: if you're looking at right out of right out of business school working in international development you probably are, ma- are making anywhere from 10 to 20% less than your classmates okay. uh, but I think the challenge arises in, in your your uh, trajectory right so if you were to work continue working in the, in the private sector um, you know if you were working in finance you know you can really have a very high upwards tra- trajectory even if you were to go in industry, you have a a pretty good upward trajectory in international development. I would say plateaus a little bit. You're not going to keep growing. Your salary is not going to keep growing like your classmates. Um, so yeah, but, but I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good, comfortable, um, post MBA salary. Right. Right. Um,
0: Okay. Yeah. So,
1: so there's the financial trade off and then, and then also I think just, you you have a different, I think, a uh, more diverse group of people than people that you're working with.
0: Yeah. Certainly
1: than I worked worked with at Accenture in right. consulting. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, generally you have a lot of post MBAs and uh, and you know post professional degrees that tend to be at consulting firms. Whereas in international development you have quite a spe- spectrum. You have uh, deep academics. You have deep clinicians in public health. You have policy makers. So you have so many different points of views. And um, because of what we're solving for, in in some ways, can be more ambiguous than driving towards the bottom line. Sometimes you might have very heated debates on the best path to get to what we want to get to, right? I think in global health, we can all agree that the best, what we're working towards is saving lives. But there are so many philosophies on on the best way to go about right. doing doing that, um, right. and and what to focus on, and the best approach while being respectful of the communities that we're serving. So there are just so many viewpoints, and uh, and it's it's not as clear as it was in the private sector what what we're driving to. It, it can get uh, very tricky
0: right. at times. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and I think I think another another thing for me in in, uh, in, in global health is. There are so many different players um, that sometimes uh, it feels that organizations perhaps are being redundant in our approach within the country. And um, Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, these are the things that, you know, can be frustrating, I guess. Are there things mm-hmm. that you find challenging about working in the space?
1: Yeah. I mean, some of it is very simple and very basic, you know. Working across Africa, you have low connectivity issues like we just yeah. experienced yeah. on this call. Yeah. You know, you are working in, in uh, places with, with tough terrain in terms of the road, uh, infrastructure challenges, power, water, all those things, uh, just the basic things. Uh, you're, you're working in environments where it's a bit challenging to have those things. Um, and, and then just, I think another thing is, uh, the level of, um, of the inputs available. So by that, I mean, part of what we're doing, where we're solving for, for instance, at Amp Health, we're solving for the leadership and management, uh, gap or, or deficit in, in this space. Um, but you we're working in countries where perhaps the education system is not as strong, you know? And so the, the folks that you're that you're working with, sometimes you have to do a little bit of work to to kind of build up their capacity and, and, and build up their, their their ability to do things. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes um, people haven't quite been exposed to to things that others have, so the starting point is not always the same for everyone in the room. Yeah, uh, and so you know, you need to kind of be aware of that and, and find ways to do checks so that you're you're bringing folks along. So these are some of the the challenges yeah. that are just real life challenges um, you know day to day and then in, in working with the people
0: yeah And then uh, definitely not lastly and definitely not the least but what what are the things that you absolutely love about the job?
1: Uh, for me it's a couple things um, I really enjoy doing work that, I believe it is, is making a difference uh, every day. I, I'm really, really passionate about the work that we do at Amp Health because I, I believe this approach to this big problem that we have in global health is, is one of the best ones and one of the, the strong ones. Um, I'm very passionate about making a difference in, in people's lives, you know, uh, on, a, on a very real level. You know, folks folks are, are dying from lack of access to healthcare, um, from poor infrastructure, from all these things. And so, you know, saving someone's life is saving someone's mother or someone's child. And you know, that that means a lot to people. It's it's very, very real yeah. and and very deep. Um, and then also the work is, is is intellectually stimulating for me. You know, I get to to do a bit of a strategy um, as well as operations. And I enjoy a good mix of the two. Uh, I work with smart, talented, bright people. My team, the folks at the Ministry of Health in the countries that we work in are, are great people who are really passionate about solving problems in their country and being able to help them do that really makes a difference and really, really makes me happy. And another thing is just the ability to work across the African continent, having moved to Nigeria uh, about two and a half years ago it's it's kind of you discovering the continent or rediscovering the continent through a different lens and so that has been a very rewarding experience for me uh, so yeah I, I love so many things about my
0: job <laughs> yeah, yeah do you think there are any common misconceptions that people tend to have who are outside this field about the field mm,
1: that's a good question I think perhaps sometimes people think uh, the work is not as challenging or is not as tough or is not as uh, intellectually rigorous. And I actually think it's the opposite because what we're solving for is really, really difficult. And that's why the problems have persisted for so many years. I think sometimes people might believe that Working in in development, you're not necessarily working around the smartest and and the brightest. But uh, I I don't think that that's the case. Uh, on my team, we have a lot of ex-consultants. My boss is ex-McKinsey. Uh, and you actually international development actually attracts a lot of bright minds. Those are probably some some, yeah. some misconceptions that folks have. But from my experience, it's actually very much the opposite of that. It's uh, a great field.
0: That's good to know. I, I didn't know that that was a misconception. Okay. And uh, are there things that you wish you'd known before entering this field?
1: Um, I mean, for me, I kind of learned more about development kind of as I as I went, right? Like no one kind of took a step back and gave me an overview or I never um, went online to try and piece an overview together. I think I would have always made the choice to work in, in global health but it would have been kind of good to understand, um, to better understand where some of the problem areas were. So what was driving the most causes of death to kind of get behind an, uh, an approach or a program that was focused on the most problematic areas.
0: It was for me, it was
1: just kind of something that I learned as I went along. And, you know, fortunately, I went down a path that uh, is not only meaningful to me but also a a huge problem area you know nigeria has the second highest maternal mortality rate in the world Hmm. after Hmm. india and our population is is a fraction of india's and so uh so i think it would have been nice to get that kind of overview um, prior to going in just to kind of know where i wanted to focus my efforts but think fortunately yeah, it aligned for me and i yeah. was able to focus on areas that i'm passionate about and where were highly problematic
0: yeah this is this is actually a great point that you before entering you may want to get a little bit of an understanding of okay what are the big problems uh, and then where, where is it that i can have the most impact because again it's so huge that you may end up going mm-hmm. in a direction which you know you may not like or you may just think that, okay, this is probably not the biggest thing that I could be doing. Um, but do you suggest mm-hmm. a way that someone can get that understanding?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if you're looking at development overall, um, starting from the international development standpoint, I would encourage someone to perhaps choose what what focus within development they want to have. Um, a discipline level that i mentioned earlier finance education agriculture uh whatever passion that that's that you're most excited about pick an area and then within that you you can then say what area you want to focus on so for take for instance agriculture some people are more focused on how can they increase crop yields for smallholder farmers some people are more focused on uh more of more of the middle. How do you increase access to markets? So, processing farms and processing plants and things like that. How can they get them to the smallholder farmer, all the way out to the output? So, uh, perhaps one one strategy is to go on the website of a really large donor, such as a USAID or even a Gates Foundation, that is liable to be playing in multiple areas within international development. So for instance, Gates does work in global health, education, agriculture, and I'm sure others that I'm not famo- familiar with. And that will kind of give you a framework of, of the different areas within development. And then within that area, you can kind of think through what areas you want to make you, you would be most interested in. And one way to think about it is to use the value chain. So in agriculture, you can use the value chain from crop to output. Yeah. From health, For health, you can kind of, in some ways, do the same thing. You know, what does it take take to get health care from an individual, from a, a facility to an individual? So all, all that's, that, that goes into the supply side Healthcare facilities, equipment, supplies, um, medication, all of that, all the way to the person accessing the care. What does it take for them to access the care? Ability to pay, ability to get to the health facility, desire to go to a health facility, all of those things, and and think through what what area you're most moved by or most in, intrigued by, or you can just simply go on the website and within. Within health, you see the different programs they have at, at an organization like Gates or USAID. And that could be a good way to think through it. Or if you know you want to do finance, you can go on IFC or World Bank yeah. or any other large, large um, um, finance donor like that, or the African Development Bank, something like that, yeah. and, and get a sense of the different programs.
0: Yep, that, that, that's a really, really good idea. Okay, Uh, so we're nearing the end of the conversation. I just have a few more questions from the point of view of someone who is, uh, you know, loves what you're doing, uh, wants to enter the space himself or herself and has some questions about, okay, how do they go about it? Uh, So let's say that I'm trying to figure out if, you know, I'm a good fit for international development or if it's, um, you know, if I'll be able to do well in this field. Uh, are there Mm -hmm. three to five skills or qualities that come to mind in terms of things that someone should have in order to do well Mm -hmm. in this space and enjoy it?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess from a a softer skill perspective, there are a couple. The ability to have compassion is very important because you might find yourself working with or working to benefit groups that maybe you don't necessarily strongly ident- identify with or you need to be able to sit back and understand to be able to understand how to better serve them. So compassion is, is very important. Uh, the ability to, to influence and advocate is important as well. You know, you're working, oftentimes you're working with governments. So it's a highly political environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a, it is it is a government. And so you're working with policymakers and you're trying perhaps to to draw attention on, on uh, maternal health issues or HIV issues. So the ability to influence and carry people along is, is very important. And then also being very open minded. Uh, you know, there are so many uh, interesting conversations I've had with colleagues at the Aspen Institute where, their initial take of view on a on a on a problem is something that I totally did not see. you know? Uh, yeah. Oftentimes we use the term last mile uh, in in public health to talk about, to refer to individuals who live in the hardest to reach areas. And uh, a colleague mentioned that using the term last mile, could be perhaps derogatory to the people who live there because to them that's their home and that's where they live and they don't think it's the last mile. Yeah. It's the center yeah. of yeah. of their universe. Yeah. And I never thought about it that way, you know. But, but it, it it was a very valid valid point to make sure that in trying to help groups of individuals or beneficiaries, we're not using terms to take it to take away from their humanity. Um, so from us from a softer scale perspective, I would say those are things too. To, to have and to, to, to check for. From the harder skills, I would say it's actually very similar to what you would be doing. Um, certainly more in, in consulting, I would say, you know, you, you're, we work with a lot of data and a lot of information. So we're typically measuring our impact as lives saved. And in some ways it's, it's more difficult because while you can measure a number of lives saved, the path to that is there's so many yeah. steps, you know what I mean? Um, and, and even the return, it's not return necessarily in pure dollar amounts, right? It's if I save a life and they can be productive in society, they can add this amount to this society, GDP wise. And so so you, you you constantly have to make that case and work with numbers and you're making a lot of assumptions in as you're building building out your models. Um, so very similar skills, you creating strong um, PowerPoints with a strong, strong storyline and, and uh, strong headlines is something that we do a lot of, a lot of report writing, I would say probably do a lot more report writing in international development than in private sector. <laughs> so writing skills, skills are important. And then just, you know, the ability to to communicate, which is, is the same everywhere you go, the ability to to create networks, I would say yeah. maybe stronger in the international development community because you do so much in, in partnerships. So unlike the private sector where you're perhaps competing with your competitor here, your your competitors who competitors in the sense that maybe they're going for the same donor funds you're going with, you often are partnering on a program where maybe they're focused on child health and you're focused on maternal health, but you need to speak to mothers ultimately. So you speak to them together. Um, and so you, you're oftentimes you're navigating a lot of different stakeholders uh, in, in international development. So yeah, those are some of some of the skills
0: I would say um,
1: that could serve you, serve you well in the industry.
0: Yeah. Th- and that, that's a, that's a great list. And it, it, they also sound like skills, which are very portable so if if you are if you're mm. good at communication if you're good at writing if you know how to manage a whole variety of stakeholders that's the kind of thing which you can take mm-hmm. to pretty much any job so it's you know it's not like uh, you know you're developing some skills which you have no idea what to do with later on in life exactly yeah yeah. Uh, w- yeah what is the typical background then for for working in this space is is there something like a typical background?
1: Um. Well. It's quite varied, but I'll say the the degree you probably see the most of is a master's in public health and MPH. Okay. Uh, You also see a master's in in public policy, MPP. You do see MBAs. Uh, You see doctors, pharmacists, uh, nurses, and sometimes you see a combination uh, of those, you know, people who have both an MBA and and an MPH or uh MBA and an MPP um you know or a doctor and an MPH uh so yeah those are typically uh from an education perspective that's the kind of background from a from a work experience perspective you you could have you know deep clinicians who have been practicing medicine for a, a long time um you you also have a lot of I work with a lot of ex consultants so you have a lot of that um, I would imagine in finance-oriented roles, you have a lot of ex-bankers and other ex-finance people, right. um, and then sometimes you have people who have worked for large non-governmental organizations like the WHO and UNICEF, yeah. um, who who know how to create guidelines and policies um, so those are the kinds of backgrounds you yeah. typically
0: yeah yeah it's pretty much across the yeah. spectrum which which makes sense mm-hmm. so if, if i want to apply and again i mean you've mentioned so many organizations so i'm sure it's it's different for each of them but should is it better to recruit while, while you're in school or you know later on if you're trying to apply should you just apply on the website should you try and mm-hmm. speak to someone and get a referral do you have any recommendations there
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think a background that's very attractive in this space is, you know, when you have an MBA and you've done some consulting, Mm -hmm. then you're highly sought after uh, at organizations such as Gates, such as uh, Clinton Health Access Initiative, USAID. So that could be one approach to do some consulting. And a lot of the consulting firms do have some type of international development arm focus within them where you can begin to get a taste of, of the industry. Mm. So that's, that's one, one way or one approach. Another thing could be if you are convinced that you want to do this kind of work and go for it directly, um, you know, in terms of how you apply, they're generally not immediate feeders post business school. Right. So I I mean, I don't remember in business school any of the the organizations coming to the website. Mm. So, I mean, to campus. So it's probably through some of the more non traditional recruiting methods, such as reaching out to alumni at these organizations for coffee chats and informational sessions to learn a little bit about their work. And I actually did do some of that post business school while I was in consulting to learn more about it before I made a decision to to make the move into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say it's 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 pretty typical kind of recruiting. Recruiting,
0: yeah. Okay. And then on that point that you made about if you're sure that you want to work in this space, is there, and let's say, you know, if, if you're in school or you're maybe you're a few years out, is there a way to, you know, maybe do some sort of, you know, short term project or a gig or an internship of some sort, which can give you a flavor of what it's like to work in this space?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would, I would say you probably have to be a bit more, uh, Deliberate in seeking them out, hmm. but even in my role, we've we've gotten a bunch of resumes across from folks who are looking for uh, a summer internship or something, and uh, typically those kinds of skills are highly sought after. But using some some of the same techniques that I that I, we just discussed, you know, seeking out alumni, sharing your resume. Uh, with folks and you know using using linkedin to to find individuals that are in the organizations you might be interested in who are looking for someone to do a discreet piece of work for them
0: over your internship period oh that's interesting so that means you know let's say someone hears your podcast and they they're interested in working in this space can they reach out to you to ask you hey can i help you on something
1: yeah definitely they can they can reach out and uh, share their information. I'd be happy to help if I can.
0: All right, awesome, cool. So, yeah. uh, any other resources that you would like to recommend to for anyone who's interested? Uh, for example, you know, blogs or articles, books.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, there are a couple of websites that you can kind of go on and, and learn a bit more about the industry in general. There, there's DevX, which is D E V E X. Okay. Dot com, you have development aid, that's another one. I think those are the main ones that I that I've used to just kind of get introduced to, to the space in general. and then obviously if you if you're looking for a health focused um, areas, you know the Gates Foundation does a lot of work in global health so that, that's that's always a good one. Um, and then the WHO, UNICEF, those types of organizations as well.
0: Interesting. Yeah. As you said that, you know, you can always go to the organization's websites to see if there's something there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uzo this was so good. This was so good. I I think for the first time I feel like I have some understanding of what it means if someone is working in international (laughs) development. So so thank you so much for such a wonderful explanation and for being so patient with all of my questions. Is there any other advice you'd like to share with someone uh, who's still relatively early in their career? either about working in international development or even just general career advice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with international development, if you go where your heart is. You work for an organization, you believe in the cause and you believe in their method to solve the problem because it'll, it'll take you a long way in your day-to-day. So I think that's, that's my little nuggets for everyone
0: wonderful thank you so much and uh, have a good rest of the day i know i've kept you till late in the day in nigeria because you're you're it's evening for you (laughs) thank you
1: no worries thank you so much sonali i really appreciate you for having me on for sure
0: thanks a lot bye bye
1: all right bye
0: all right i hope you enjoyed the discussion just before you leave Do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at led underscore curator. That's L-E-D underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn educate discover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Alright, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time and until the next one. Bye-bye.